to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is. I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I'm the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. And I can't find these anywhere anymore. And it's really pissing me off. Super, super meal? Neeson Super Meal. No one around here carries that. It drives me insane. When I worked retail, uh, this and popcorn was like my main diet. Well, you know... That I lived. You know what it is. It's cancel culture. So there it is, right there. It's cancel culture. They're canceling my noodles. My yes. cup of noodles. There's a lot of other cup of noodles out there, and, and uh, here's my review. They're all shit, except for this one. Nissan Super Meal, which is the greatest, and now I can't find it. So, there you go. First, down to Dr. Seuss, and now they're taking down my favorite noodles. Uh-huh. Bunny, uh, this is episode 292 of the podcast. Good to see you. I'm wearing all uh, uh, male clothing now. In the okay. beginning, in Act 1. That might change later on in the show, but right now... Uh, wearing all straight clothing. And before we can begin with this show, buddy, what's your safe word for today's episode? The the safe word for today's help. Uh, oh. oh, Jesus Christ, help me! That's that's <laughs> mine. <laughs> Usually, my safe word is whiskey, but uh, this week it's going to be croissant. Cacao! Cacao! Then you know that like... Cacao! I need out. Did you ever watch Portlandia? Yes. Cacao! Cacao. Cacao! Yeah. I thought she was doing a really bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. Yeah. Cacao! Cacao! was trying to say, but... Well, I feel like shit, so whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> Episode 292. Very excited. We've got a, a full-sized shab. We've got a movie that I'm so excited to talk about. Let me just say about this week's movie. Um, this is the first time ever that I turned on a film, and within 10 minutes... The score had me laughing. <laughs> that has never happened ever. I've watched a lot of movies, but this was the first time that I was able to say, this score is fucking hilarious. I've never said that. This this movie is just Look, I said I said Spider-Man was the worst movie I've ever fucking seen, and you came through with the, with that challenge. <laughs> I must retract that statement. <laughs> we survived 2020, so the new uh, concept for 2021 is we're going to very interesting places. Okay. And this week is an interesting one, and I can't wait to get there. But let's get into Act 1, shall we? Yes! Last month was Black History Month, and it's a time when multi million dollar corporations pretend to give a shit about non white people. Yes. 
That is the main thing that seems to happen. I want, I personally, I want the world to know about George Crumb. How the fuck do we not know about George yeah. Crumb? Hell yeah. Uh, it's always, in, it's always interesting to see like these multi-million dollar, billion dollar corporations have to like pay their service and like this February is Black History Month. A time for us to focus on the heroes and the trailblazers that helped create this nation. Campbell's Soup. Yes. You know, it's always weird. It's always weird to see that happen. So it's also a time when a certain type of racist can't help but expose themselves as racist. Yeah. It's always nice every February because... You get to see certain people's true colors, like, uh, like, oh, it's February, it's Black History Month, okay, and then all of a sudden, just one of your friends on social media is just, well, why isn't there a White History Month? And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, every other month, including a big chunk of February? History Month. It's called. It, it's called March because that's when St. Patrick's Day happens. And, and <laughs> yeah. never understood St. Patrick's Day. But I went to a Catholic school, and St. Patrick's Day. You would have thought it was like ten Christmases. Yeah. You would have thought. You would have thought it was five Super Bowls in one. With wow. That freaking Catholic school celebrated. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. I never understood that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm Irish. I'm a really big fan. I would have loved to have seen it. Yeah. There would always be a St. Patrick's Day festival where every... where like half of the day was just doing carnival games and stuff. It was really weird. Yeah. But... Well, well, well. He's also, but you know, but it's also funny about St. Patrick's, like Patrick, like you know, he he's it, you know, he's just the Irish saint, and it's like that's so awesome. Tell me the history of St. Patrick. Yeah, you know about that. <laughs> We're not sure if there are one or two of them or. If the legend actually started over here and like not in Ireland at all, <laughs> I was thinking that uh, Saint Stephen should be the patron saint of stoners. Yeah. Why not? Because he got yes, stoned. Yes, yes, yes. He got stoned he was... to death. Yeah. So that's who everyone should celebrate every uh, April twentieth. I, I came up with that last night while I was uh, a little bit. Uh, whoo. We so, we should do that. Yeah. So with that in mind, let's head to Canada, where a specific region of Canada started what they called the Black History Month Challenge. Okay. And while writing this out, I realized that uh, this episode of the Pope on Film accidentally contains a running theme that is present right here in the beginning of Act 1, and then appears again in Act 2 during Shap, and then appears 
in Act 3 when we learn of the history behind this week's movie. And the theme is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Okay. That is in this week's movie, that is in The Shaft, and that is in this story about Canada. So remember, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, because that will come to play later in the show. Okay, so the regional municipality of Durham in Canada started the Black History Month Challenge a contest within the the state employees, within the government employees, to challenge them to try to celebrate Black History Month. And okay, you go, oh, all right, you're challenging your uh, employees in the the regional government to embrace Black History Month. Uh, your intentions are fair. Your intentions are good. Some of the challenges included dance to a reggae song, cook an African meal, and this is a kicker, have a conversation with a black employee, (laughs) and be sure to name the employee so we know who you talk to. Which of our black employees you had a conversation with? So imagine you're black, and you work... The regional municipality of I am. I am imagining. I am totally imagining. I am black, and I am also imagining. Is it possible for me to hide in a fucking closet all day until I can get out of this shit? Yeah, you go to the bathroom for a second, and then you go back to your desk, and there's a line of uh, twenty white Canadians. Oh, hey there. How's it going? <laughs> I, I, now, now, just put that into a very Night of the Living Dead scenario. Yeah. All these super nice white people chasing you because they want to be extra nice to you this month. Yeah. 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 I... I Get the fucking boards and nails. Let's secure this goddamn place. <laughs> see, see, I, it brings so, about so basic, ask, basically it brings around horrific images, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was gonna ask you, like, hey, bunny. So, say you're black, and it's your company's doing the Black History Month challenge. What would you do? But you answered that. Pretty succinctly. Um, yeah, I'm finding some way to hide. Yeah, uh, let me tell you what I would do. I'd be charging. Charging? Yes, I'd be charging all oh. the white people conversations. Oh, and you charging. would have to have that little change thing on your belt. Yeah. Ching, ching, ching. Yeah. Oh, I miss those. Yeah, that would be. That's my idea, and I think it's a pretty solid one. Yeah. 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 What, yeah. what do you think would be the golden rate? I mean, we're talking Canada, so you probably have a lot of white people. I think I think two or three dollars, maybe two dollars per conversation. Yeah. You know, 
But then you build it up and say, hey, you have one conversation. If you have four conversations, the fifth one's free. Yeah. You have them coming back and competing, not just for, hey, you've had a conversation with me, but hey, you know, John over in accounting, he's already had four conversations with me. Yeah. And he's missing how many conversations he's had with me. You're going to want to beat him. Yes, so you you're are. charging people for more and more conversations with you. That's what I'm thinking. But, uh, like, right, on, yeah. on the bright side, we are talking about Canada. Yes. Now, yes. whereas a Canadian racist may be stupid, they're not going to be as out-and-out out mean as, as homegrown American racists. Yeah, I feel that even Canadian racists... I feel like even Canadian racists are... Uh, Hey, you, why don't you go back to where you came from, eh? I'm sorry I raised my voice there. That was uncalled for. But, hey, maybe you should politely consider going back to your country of origin. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, I'm, ex I'm expecting them more... In Canada, I'm expecting them to be more racists in denial. You know, like, if you told them that they were racist, they'd be shocked as shit. You know, and they'd be like, I, 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 I used to love good times. <clears throat> you know, and it, <laughs> okay, you, you're in the clear. <laughs> uh, excuse me, I can't be racist. Okay, my orthodontist is black. Yes, that's the sort of thing you get a lot. Anyway, the municipality of Durham in Canada canceled their Black History Month challenge after a black employee pointed it out on Twitter. <laughs> so, no more Black History Month challenge. Uh, too bad. Yeah, oh man, I, I, I'm telling you, it's gone from Night of the Living Dead to Donald Sutherland's uh, Invasion of the Body Snatches, where all the just white Canadians are looking at the black guy just going... <laughs> please, please don't yeah. celebrate me, please. <laughs> Nice weather we're having, eh? If you answer anything, that can, that's considered a conversation. Why are you running? Hey! Nice weather we're having, eh? <laughs> it's a great... We'd we'll, we'll love to see that. Night of the Living Black History Month challenge. So, cut on that. Honey! Yes! Unfortunately, I feel that we should take some time here at the top of the show to address the looming specter of cancel culture. Okay. Let's have a conversation about cancel culture, buddy. Because right now, a flock of Karens and Boomers are angry about Dr. Seuss being canceled. And the thing that's really amazing about the Dr. Seuss conversation that's happening right now is that a lot of times the nation gets locked in these... Eris, I'm doing the podcast. Eris, <laughs> you're interrupting my podcast now, too? Just any time I raise my voice, cat, you're just going to show up? That's it? Okay, fine. The thing about 
the thing about uh, a lot of times America gets locked in these debates and discussions about about things, and a lot of times I go, "Well, I have an opinion on that, but I'm not going to say anything because I'm not I'm not qualified to uh, to put my two cents in here." But it, now there's a massive debate about. Dr. Seuss, and it's like, wow, I'm qualified to discuss this. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm a, I can have an opinion yes. about one subject. Yes. I, I, I run a kids' channel. I've done no, numerous Dr. Seuss books. I've uh, read to numerous schools and libraries that never had me back because I'm super loud. Uh, yeah. I have worked in a bookstore Eris, I'm not getting angry it's just the podcast no you can't have my noodles what is wrong with you don't come back to me you're not getting your own segment cat you're not Bella so uh, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I, I worked at a bookstore for almost 20 years, and most of that time was spent uh, working in the children's department, so so I, I, I have an opinion. Yes, you do. This. I'm excited. The, an opinion the from authority. Yeah. I'm just really upset with the white right in America, the white right, which is the term that I'm trying to make happen. Uh, the white right, who I would like to take this time to say, has previously canceled Apple, Target, Disney, Netflix, the Echo, Wells Fargo, Campbell Soup, Starbucks, Macy's, Pepsi, Archie Comics, Nordstrom, Amazon, Ben and Jerry's, Anheuser Busch, Amazon, and American Girl dolls are really sick of cancel culture. <laughs> and want that to stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, like, didn't they? Didn't uh, they? And most recently, wasn't it like Rogue One and Batman? Didn't they have a bug up their ass about Batman too? Probably. Yeah. I know they were pissed off at, about Rogue read, One because the article that said that um um. Zack Snyder. Oh yeah. So so uh, this is neither here nor there. I just want to mention it on the show and and uh, mentioning it now. But uh, we uh, I I read an article. Apparently Zack Snyder was so confident that his Justice League movie was going to be such a massive smash hit that he was storyboarding the sequels. Yeah. And the sequels would have had. Lois Lane uh, get pregnant by Batman and give birth to Batman's kid, which would be the next Batman. And wow, uh, uh, Zack Snyder really did have a handle on source material, didn't he? (laughs) Wow, maybe we should uh, all have a conversation about how that's effing ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe Zack Snyder wasn't the perfect person to direct this movie, but hey, what do I know? 
I'm I'm smelling there's a there's a crack up going on here with Zack Snyder. Yeah, I'm just pissed at Zack Snyder. I'm just pissed at Zack Snyder. It's all. No, but the thing is, is that uh, Dr. Seuss has written roughly. He wrote roughly sixty-five books. Yes. But like six of those were so good that now most of America when they say Dr. Seuss their mind automatically goes to those six and let me tell you something uh, all of the people that are getting pissed off about Dr. Seuss being cancelled there is no way that you read I can lick 30 tigers today <laughs> an actual Dr. Seuss book that he actual wrote you, you, you haven't read Hooper Humperdink. That no, actually sounds your familiar. Dr. Seuss, your mind goes to Cat in the Hat, Green Eggs and Ham, Lorax, Horton, all the places you'll go. Maybe Sneetches. But he wrote 65 books and had his name attached to over 100 books, and it's like... It, but you, I, I doubt you've read The Cat in the Hat Comes Back, because that book is trash. <laughs> I read it. I worked with kids. Don't like it. Don't like it. Way too, way too long. Way too long. Don't like it. It's ridiculous. But also, it says a lot about the Republican Party that um, this is their priority. <coughs> yeah. They're like people are getting kicked out of their homes. People are dying. Um, we're still locking babies up in cages. Um, Businesses are going out of business, but oh no, let's focus on the fact that um, a handful of Dr. Seuss books that that aren't remembered are yeah. stopping publication. Oh my god, this is the biggest focus. Let's talk about Dr. Seuss and uh, potato potato dicks. Yeah. That's what we really need to focus on. And like, like, no way. Like, like, this is this is the snowflakiest of snowflake bullshit. Are you are really? You're crying over Mr. Potato Head and, and children's books. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if that's the worst there is going on. We are living in fucking utopia. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so it's so ridiculous to it, it it definitely shows that things are better under Biden as they were under Trump because under Trump the focus was uh, hey, people are dying. Hey, uh, this horrible thing is happening. Hey, we might go to war. Hey, uh, uh, there are people starving in the streets. And now the focus is on, hey, Joe Biden's dog. Yeah. Does not look presidential. Yeah. So let's talk about the gender of uh, plastic potatoes. Uh-huh. This is what... The priority is now, and and it's hard. Just <coughs> again, wow, dudes, you've really gone off the edge. <coughs> 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 I'm 
talking you and telling me, right? What? Nothing. Are you good? I I I think I'm good. Uh, I I don't even know if I if I died on the podcast if it would help our ratings. You know? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, it might be a see, clip. Here's the thing: you, you sit here and you say these are the issues that were of the main focus when Trump was president. And now these are the issues that are the main focus now that Biden's president. But also, they know that if they they have to have something to distract the public from the very real issues that they're voting on, that will disenfranchise voters. Yeah. So you know. Of course they're going to focus on a fake plastic potato toy and their gender, because what's more controversial than, you know, forcing gender, well, no, not gender norms, but allowing children to not have gender norms forced upon them. Yeah. While they slowly take away every voter's rights. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, cancel culture. Cancel culture, yes. Cancel culture. It's only yeah. okay if they're the ones doing the cancel. Yeah. Let's let's talk to Harry Potter. Uh, first off, I have recently learned that my older brother Joe is super obsessed with the Harry Potter movies, and that gives me feelings. But I'm not sure what those feelings are. Yeah. But they give me some feelings. The idea of my older brother being obsessed with the Harry Potter movies is uh, almost quaint in a way. Uh, number one. Number two, um, I forgot what I was going to say, but it was going to be something funny. Always. About cancel culture. Every, oh, I remember. Every <coughs> episode, person on the right who is uh, talking about how cancel culture has gone too far, you need to go out and buy a Dixie Chicks album. Yes. Period. Yes. And is like, oh, I'm, I'm glad you realized that you made a mistake. Go out and buy Dixie Chicks and Sinead O'Connor and listen to them and then come back to me. Mm-hmm. Douchebags. And on and on and forever. We can go back, like, like, this is the same thing as the satanic panic. Yeah, Absolutely. And what was that? Everything is Satan. Everything is Satan. We we can't have any of it. it this so is them. In, in, in the 1980s, in, in Reagan's 1980s, America became so fundamentalists, fundamentalist Christian that most of America was certain that Satan was a real person that actually existed and walked the earth and was recruiting young kids through the star of what would later be the Osbournes. Yes. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> yes. Absolutely fascinating to me. Yes. So they will yeah. cry about cancel culture and like and, and like like they don't even bother getting the fucking story right yeah. you know that's what Why like like this was not hard to find out I was like canceling Dr. Seuss what's this about 
Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. it. You know, but like people are saying that this is directly from Joe Biden. You know? And it's yeah. like a, a book publisher has a right to not publish certain books if they don't want to. It happens all the fucking time. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, that I just wanted to mention. Cancel culture. So the, the, the conservatives are upset that there are not restrictions on private business dictating to them <laughs> what product they can cannot cancel. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, brave priest. Buddy, kill me now. Kill me now. <laughs> Just put a bullet through my goddamn head. Please. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> Thank you for not killing me, buddy. Anytime I have a brave priest and I tell you to kill me, uh, you need to not. Okay. okay. All right. Just a just a tip for the future. It's a reverse Janet from the Good Place. So and, and and I have always heard that you know brain freeze is completely harmless. I don't know of how much I could believe that. Yeah, tell that to my freaking head. I can't believe that anything that just hurts that much is just. A harmless no, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. This one segment on cancel culture has gone to a bunch of different places. Yes, it has. Yes, it, it has. It has been fun. Yeah, I like that. Uh, okay. Uh, cut on that. Yes. Uh, we still have a, 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 a whole podcast to get to. We have funny we have a Steve's historic approximations that I think is really good. Uh, and we've got a movie, but first, I want you to rub my knees. <laughs> I promise I don't have a knife in my butt. Oh. This week's movie is fun. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? Yeah, we gotta take a break, and then you gotta show me the fun side. <laughs> yeah, I agree with fun. Uh, I didn't ask you, Maxwell. Stop podcast-hugging. I, I agree. You're backseat podcasting again. Stop it. But yes, Blitty, you are not Blitty. You're Maxwell. Uh, bun. Nice try. Bunwell, it's your bunny AU. Uh, we will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this.
Are you a woman in the Utah area looking for ugly clothing? Then stop on down to the Black Dress Warehouse. We are Utah's leading supplier of black or dark gray dresses. Do you want to look like a housewife? Do you want to look like a woman who is suffering depression or is possibly mourning the loss of a, of a loved one? Or perhaps you're a woman being haunted by the grim specter of death. If you are, then come on down to Black Dress Warehouse. We sell black dresses, and that's it. Off of Route 9 and Main Street, Black Dress Warehouse. It's a montage. We're cleaning up the streets. We're getting people with wife beaters, asking them questions in an alleyway. I'm wearing a peach colored suit, and everything's cool. It's a montage. A disco montage. Is that a jeepney? That's weird. It's a montage. Here's my business card. It's a montage. A disco montage. We are cleaning up the streets. We're whacking the attack. And sometimes we're attacking the whack. And sometimes it's a whack attack. Because we don't have a coherent catchphrase yet for what we are doing. Maybe we should get some better publicity. Maybe hire somebody to do this stuff. To figure out what we should call this. Maybe we can do that in our montage. Kung Fu montage. We're talking to drunk people. That might... I think that's MC Hammer now. MC Hammer's drunk. He is drunk in a hallway. We're walking past pawn shops. In our montage. A Kung Fu montage. Disco Godfather. And a guy with an afro. A really impressive afro in a montage. Walking down to something. Not really steps, but maybe that is a thing. And this guy's got a briefcase. And he's got his at a pipe. Oh, I don't know what he's doing. He's signing a piece of paper in a montage. Smokey the Bear montage. They are walking down the streets with some fine ladies. In a montage, beating up random people that they see on the street. Got real big glasses, see somebody beating up people, doing real bad kung fu. Getting some guy, grabbing him by the sweater. 
slapping him across the face, his sweaty face, in a montage. I've got a dog montage. A one, two, three, four. Huh, look at this. Certified frustration-free packaging. Hmm, not, not frustrating, that's good. Guess I just pull here and, uh, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. These are some of my favorite worst posts from the last few weeks on the Oklahoma City Craigslist page. This one is called Prince Media Pandering. And it says, Prince, you would have thought he was the president. 
the way the media carries on about this non-talented transvestite! Exclamation point. So, transvestite! Every channel went on and on and still are, I say, good riddance. Typical left-wing, pandering media, always pushing their cause. Hell, when Elton John dies, they will probably declare a national holiday for him. They should, because Elton John is a treasure, number one. Uh, number two, mm, you need to check yourself. And third, it's not media pandering. Apparently, it's a pandering media. It's, it's a media that's run by pandas. It's a pandering media. I like that. You don't have to imagine that we're back. Because we are. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Enough glasses to take it off, so I'm gonna mine it. What? <laughs> yes. Are you ready for America's favorite podcast? Segment, the podcast segment that's taking over the world. Bunny Williams, starring the incomparable Bunny Williams. Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you revved up? Are, are, you, are, you, are you jumping at the bit? Are you ready? I, I am. Okay. I am. Don't Good. fuck with me. Well, it is time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. Oh, I'd like to cancel just each and fucking every last one of you. (laughs) That's it. I Not a hell of a lot to say this week, because the world has just gotten, like, too stupid to even comment on anymore. Yeah. And And I I can't cancel cancel culture culture for for Act (laughs) 1. So how have you been? Uh, well, I... I put a song, a song on my phone that I love very much. I'd like, like to play it now. I believe you'll be able to hear it. Uh, it goes like this. It's the theme of this week's movie. I believe Paul Carney wrote this. Really? I, I I think that Paul McCartney did write a song for yeah. this, but they didn't use it. They used this instead. Yeah, they spied like us him. He writes a song. He writes a song now for every movie, but everyone's like, "Ugh, we don't want a Paul song." <laughs> it doesn't matter what the movie. They're like, "Hey, how you doing?" Uh, I love your movie, Oogie Loves. <laughs> I've written a song, Oogie Loves Movie. 
There's, there have been me do. There have been a lot of song movies that he's written songs for. The fucking Princess Bride. And like a lot of other movies that he's written songs for and they're like, yeah no. Nah. <laughs> Sorry. Passing on the McCartney. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Um, how have I been? I've been alright, I guess. Uh, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, it's March, it's my birthday month. I don't get a month. I feel that's a young person thing. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's my birthday month. Like, like, no. No, the one time birthday month, I guess, but I don't know. Get a month. The one you know, time we celebrated your birthday month, I thought it was a lot of fun. Well, I, I on the podcast, sure, but I'm not. I'm not doing this in person, like in my normal day. I'm not like it's my birthday month. Yeah. So you know, like I'm not doing that. I'm not one of those people. But I have decided that next year is going to be my birthday year. Yeah. Okay. Next year, I'm going to be celebrating all of 2022 because my birthday happens in 2022. So this is my birthday year. XO. Not this year. This isn't my birthday year. Next year is my birthday year. I've decided that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be my good thing. 2022, we're talking. Oh, so you're making me go and pick this up, and it's my birthday year. I get it. That's fine. You know, I need to get it. And on my birthday year. Yeah. So that's going to be my new fun thing. Uh, what has happened? I've been reading all of the Avengers. That's one reading. Uh huh. I I uh I downloaded the Avengers issue one to issue five hundred and thirty-seven from twenty thirteen. So it's the Avengers from nineteen sixty-three to twenty thirteen, and I'm going from number one, and I'm making my way through. Oh, and so that's fun. It's it's we it's weird because um. Thor doesn't call his hammer Mjolnir. He says my ooh, his Uru hammer, U R U hammer, and I had to look that up. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Why is he calling his hammer that? And then no one knows each other's secret identities. They're still keeping them hidden. And so, you know, uh, Captain America and, and uh, Ant-Man are like, oh, it's, it's, hey, Iron Man, isn't it nice of your employer, Tony Stark, to let us stay in his mansion? Yeah. And Iron Man's like, yeah, that's nice of, uh, that's nice, nice of Tony Stark. Huh, I wonder who Ant-Man is in real life. Like, yeah. really weird. And then they find Captain America, but uh, everyone keeps all the bad guys and stuff, and even the good guys are like, ah, defeating Captain America will be easy. Out of all of the members of the Avengers, he's the only one with no superpowers. Everyone keeps saying that. 
And it's like, since when does he not have superpowers? Is that that must have been retcon because according to the beginning of the Avengers, he's just some guy they put a Captain America outfit on, I guess. <laughs> so we haven't gotten to we haven't gotten to the actual super soldier serum I guess not I guess that was something that was retconned later because right now there's no super soldier serum he has no superpowers and everyone mentions that constantly even his own teammates so yeah so there's that uh yeah, yeah. Uh, Thor left the group because he had pressing matters in uh, Asgard, and then Iron Man disappeared, and then uh, Giant Man and the Wasp, they decided that they were going to uh, retire from superheroes, from being superheroes, so then... Captain America immediately is like, oh, I better get three supervillains and make them Avengers. <laughs> hey, Hawkeye, you know how you've been battling Iron Man for like the past decade? You're an Avenger now. And of course he's a dick to everyone. Like, I hate Hawkeye. Yeah. Even more than I did before. Now that I'm reading this, because, like, he's a bad guy and a criminal, but once he's become an Avenger, he's like, I need to be the leader of the Avengers and not Captain America. Huh. Hey, old man, I should be the leader, not you. You suck. And it's like, like oh, it, it, it's so frustrating. But I'm having a real fun time reading through these. I'm finding interesting things. Like, there's one issue where um, a supervillain creates a robot facsimile of Spider-Man as a way to destroy the Avengers. Yeah. And the, the villain programs the robot Spider-Man to talk just like the real Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is fighting Thor. Robot Spider-Man is fighting Thor. And robot Spider-Man says, Listen, long hair, you might be a real wing doozy when you're with your team. And I'm like, what the fuck is a wing doozy? What the hell is that? I've never heard of anyone being called a wing doozy before. And I, like, I can follow the 1960s uh, colloquialisms that they shove in to the comic book. I understand that, and I get that. But this one was the, the first one where it's like, the fuck is a wing doozy? So I go on Google, and, and I'm looking to find out information on what wing doozy means, and I can't find any information, because apparently wing doozy is the name of a fast food wing franchise. Okay. I've never heard of, but apparently in the Northeast, there's just wing doozy restaurants all over the goddamn place. So yeah, wing doozy. This is a real wing doozy of a podcast episode. <laughs> okay. I have no idea what that means. That's weird. That's a strange one. But yet it still sounds positive. Yeah, sounds pretty With, positive. Without, sounds without, pretty exact, positive. without knowing what it means, 
just going by the word itself, I think I would like to have a wing doozy. Yeah. 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 A, a real, real wing doozy of the time, boy. Yeah. Yowza, yowza, yowza. Wing doozy. So that's what I've been doing. Watching good, good place all the way through. After that, I might uh, shotgun all of the Showa era Godzilla films. Yeah. And just a prep for uh, Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, whatever they're calling this new version. Uh, pretty excited for yeah. it. It's coming out of the month. We're getting close. It's so weird to think of all of the movies that I should have seen and how they're still... Like, they made a Minions 2, and it's to come out July 4, 2000. But then they said, we need to push that forward. So then, instead of July 4, 2000, Minions 2 was given a release date of July 3rd, 2021, but movie theaters still suck, so now Minions is coming out July 2nd, 2022. Okay. And it's so fucking weird because the movie is done. The movie is ready. The movie has been ready for yeah. over a year, but no, no, no. I, it's so, it's so weird. Like. So many movies I was so certain and so excited to see last year that I still have no idea when I'm going to see that. That's yeah. interesting. When is the new James Bond coming out? I have no idea. That's so interesting to me. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, how are you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I... Just shortly before the podcast, I am on the second episode of WandaVision. Nice. So, so there's there's that. Uh, still haven't gotten around to finishing The Mandalorian. Yeah. I just don't care. You know, like it's okay. You everybody can like it. It's it's kind of likable. I just don't care. <laughs> you know. Well, speaking of the Mandalorian, I think it's pretty obvious that the reason why Jesus was able to do all of the miracles that he did was because of the phenomenal amount of midichlorians that were in his bloodstream. Yeah. Yeah. Just going to come out and say that. Yeah. So, second, second episode of WandaVision, so... You know, right, right on time. Like, I was like, okay, that was the season finale. Okay, let's go check on Saturday. See if anybody's got it all nice and packaged up. <laughs> there we go. Season one, episode one through nine, mine. What? I really loved that show. Oh, I, I I think it's time to spoil it. I mean, the first episode was okay. You know, I wasn't exactly in love with it. 
Uh, I was worried about, about, I was worried about, about watching it with the kids because kids today don't know the sitcoms that WandaVision is referring to. Yeah. My kids don't know the Dick Van Dyke show. My kids don't, won't understand when it goes from the Dick Van Dyke show to Bewitched. From episode one to episode two, they won't understand that. Later, when it, when it becomes an almost pitch-perfect parody of Family Ties, like, yeah. oh, my kids have no family ties. My kid, I have to explain to them how it's Okay, I'm only in episode two. Remember this. It's not a big plot point. They keep changing the sitcoms that the show is referencing. Yes. So, like, 50s, 60s, so episode three is 70s. Mm-hmm. And I had a guess in my head as to, okay, so if, if, if the first episode was the 1950s and the second episode was the 1960s, I have a pretty good idea of what the next sitcom, what episode three is going to look like, and I was 100% right. Well, what was two? The first one was clearly the Dick Van Dyke set. I'm pretty sure the second one Bewitched. was the Bewitched set. Yeah. Yeah, it was Bewitched. And I, I, I would think, I would think, I mean, there were black and white episodes, but I kind of remember Bewitched more in color. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, I, 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 I 100% remember that. Oh, no, no, no. I know it like, was, I but... Yeah, I know there are colored episodes, but in my mind, it's a black and white show, so that's interesting. Yeah. Two different sides. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have gone with the color version. Yeah. But it does go into color at the end. Yeah. The, it, that was a really... WandaVision was a really fun thing for my kids and I to watch every Friday afternoon slash night. Yeah. You know? It's always difficult for me to do virtual school with the kids on Fridays because... Everything is due by Thursday. So on Thursday, you have to get everything done for the week. And then finally, there's like a relaxing, oh, we got it all done. We got it all done. It's Thursday. We got it all done. And then we wake up the next day, Friday, and here's like 25 more assignments for them to do. Oh. And, and then it's very difficult to get them going on Friday. But I found that the real easy way, it, it became really easy over the last couple of weeks to get them to work on Fridays because it's like, hey, we got to get as much done as we can because after that, WandaVision. So that was a good, I'm going to miss that in my family. It's been a long time since we've had a shared communal TV experience that wasn't supernatural. You don't think you're going to be able to sell Falcon and Winter Snowman as easy? I, I don't. I'm not excited about it. Even if, even if, even if uh, Hans Landa, Hans Landa is in from uh, Inglorious Bastards, I, 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 eh? Yeah, I. I'll watch it, but it, it won't have... The next thing I'm excited about is Loki. 
Yeah. That's the thing I'm excited about. It looks cute. It looks very buddy cop. But it's yeah. not something like I'm going to be dying to see. I'm going to wait until, until I start hearing some stuff. Whether it's worth yeah. watching or not. For that one. But I'm kind of finding it interesting with WandaVision. How they've pretty much come in as a blank slate. Yeah. You know, like the the premise is written. Okay? Young married couple in their new house. But they themselves don't seem to know the characters they're playing. Yeah. And I yeah. find that very interesting. Oh, and Catherine, Catherine Hahn is, is just the absolute, absolute best. best. Who, is, who, who is she? She's Agatha? Agnes, the, the, the wacky neighbor. Oh, God, yeah. She's, she's got it. Steals the show. She was in the movie The Goods, and that's where I first fell in love with her. In the movie The Goods. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Piven is like the world's best cars used car dealer and him and his crew get sent to Temecula to help a uh, car business that's going out of business and and she just steals every single solitary scene so then she was in Parks and Recreation and I was like oh she's from the goods which is a really good movie I'm going to be a fan of Catherine Hahn now because she was in a really good movie and now she's in Parks and Rec. And so uh, it was really nice to see everyone in America fall in love with Catherine Hahn and WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, finally, you have come, you have come to my level. Because Catherine Hahn is amazing. No, she, she was very good as the obnoxious neighbor. She's got it down. Very yeah, believable. Yeah, she's got that down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found that interesting to begin with, and they carry it through into the second episode, kind of, but in the second episode they're getting more into their, into their characters, and it was amusing watching Vision yeah. be drunk because he ate gum. Oh, yes. Flourish. Yes. Flourish. Yeah. I really enjoyed Vision at work. Like, okay, so what exactly do we do? <laughs> yeah. Do we produce something? Do we buy something? Do we sell something? What what exactly do we do here? <laughs> and no one really knew. Yeah. Yeah. Rock through one division. You need to rock through all that. What's that? Uh, you need to rock it through all one division because there's a bunch of things at the end that I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm getting there. Probably get in another couple of episodes tonight. Uh. Good. And, and see how it goes. If Jeannie gets on board, then I'll be waiting on episodes for her. Uh, if not, then I'm just going to go through them. Cool. <laughs> I, I, I got Natasha at the end. She watched like, the first, first 
she watched, watched like, like the last three episodes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I eventually hooked her. I mean, the first episode was kind of a slog. You yeah, know? My brother, my my brother, brother watched, watched the first, first two episodes, episodes and then he got on Facebook and he's like, like I just fucking wasted an hour of my fucking life and I'll never fucking get back because of stupid fucking WandaVision. And it's just like, this is a TV show. You need to give it some time. You need to give every TV show some freaking time. They have episodes. But, like, but, but, like, I see where it has to be. I see, like, it's a slog for a reason. Yeah. You know? Because we're saying something. She's just creating this world. Yeah. It's not done yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good stuff there. And that's and that's the feel that it has of what's going on. Like it, this is not finished. This is not fully thought out yet. And that does not necessarily make the most entertaining thing to watch because it looks unfinished. <laughs> it looks not fully thought out. <laughs> You know? But I could see the reasoning behind it. What are you doing? I'm just putting my thumb on the camera. <laughs> it went all red. Here's my nail. And then you get to the skin. And then 100% thumb. See if we could see any blood vessels going. Oh, that was fun. That was, that was fun. Yeah. And then the second episode was was a, a a lot more of a comedy episode. Yeah. Than the yeah. first one. Where you they can see the little things happen. What? You can see the little that are slowly working through the facade yeah. of the of the show. Yeah. And and now right in the second episode you got the voice on the radio or the voice coming from wherever the fuck it is. Saying, yeah. uh what is are you doing this, Wanda? Is that what Who's it's saying? Huh? Who is doing this to you? Yeah. But from what I've heard, it's all it's all Mephisto, or Agatha, or anybody else. <laughs> okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's all Spider Ham. It's all Spider Ham. And uh, Doctor Doom. He's a Doctor Doom duck. A Doctor Doom duck. Nice. He's Doctor Doom. Nice. So I'm on board. Let's see where this goes. You know, it's Marvel. I kind of trust it. We're building up some intrigue and things like that. You know, I think we're going to have to wait for the for this reality to flesh itself out. And it definitely, it definitely does, does in the next couple of episodes for you. 
and then start ripping back down again. Yeah. Yeah. Some some serious things happen in the next like two episodes from where you are. Yeah. So I should be there soon. Yeah. So that's that. Other than that, I've been having horrible sound problems with my computer that I've been trying to work on getting straightened out. Um, so when you first came on, you didn't have sound. I was like fucking panicking. You know? Yeah. Because I was like, what the fuck is it now? Uh, but hopefully that is all straightened out. Uh, and we did the interview on Friday with Sean Bingham for his movie that I still can't say so that is out there somewhere it's it's in the group you can definitely go in the group and get it and watch it there and that was fun I I tried tried to see it for a little bit and then my internet internet just sucked sucked. did somebody get hurt? no she just she just tired yeah <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, QAnon Cat and Karen will be ready for next week's show. Nice. That would be nice. She's just about done, but she's a more complicated puppet than any of the other puppets I have. Yeah, you know, so. We should see something out of her next week. And I think that's about... Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been feeling really wicked sick today and yesterday. Uh, with the sinus infection, that's not going away. Uh, so I am a little goofy. Go hey, figure. Cool. But let's get on over to Shap. How's our, how's our Shap today? How's the Shap shaping up? Oh, it's a good one. It is a very good one. I'm very excited for this week's chat. It, it took a lot of work trying to... It, it, it can be difficult to boil down a chat to its, its um, basic ingredients, you know? Which is what I try and do with each chat. It's a really good one. Okay. Well then, until next week... This is Bunny Versus saying, self-adhesive tape, yes please. Please. Love that. And cut on that. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes! If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't at this point in time? It's a podcast that's sweeping the nation. But only real fans, true hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning would know two things about us, two basic facts. Absolute, undeniably, really real, and no way made up on the spot facts about the two of us. America's hottest album. First and foremost, the first thing, the first important part is the fact that Bunny, in the 70s, you were a well-known roller disco queen. 
Yes. So, buddy, uh, what name did you go by? And what can you tell us about this very interesting time in your life? I was Peaches Lacrosse. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I love the nightlife and I love to boogie, you know. Uh, so there was nothing. There was nothing better to do than to put on a really, really big wig and a lot of makeup and do my Donna Summer impressions and all the local roller derby, roller roller discos. You know, and that this, this kind of caught on, got to be sort of an underground thing. Uh, uh, Lou Reed was begging to be my lover, you know. Uh, but yeah. I told him that he better get with my friends, you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, ex- exciting times, a, a lot lost in, in a cocaine and ecstasy haze. Uh... Yeah. But goddamn was I cute. That's all I'm gonna that's that's where I gotta leave this. I was cute. Good. Okay. Yeah. So that's, so that's the first fact. And the second fact is I'm a lover of history. I'm a, but I'm also a storyteller. Teller. So what I like to do at this juncture is, is I like to take a story, story from the history books, maybe one that the people don't know too well and reworded it by my own unique Have I died of dysentery? I actually yes. never played yes. that game. What? I I, I must. What? No. I have what? heard of well. it, but I have never played Oregon Trail. Okay, well, let me tell you about it. In 1971, a young student educator, still in college, by the name of Don Rowich was living in Minnesota and he was trying to think of a new outside of the box way to connect with his children without a new outside of the box way to connect with his students instead of just using a boring old dusty textbook. So he had an idea, I've got an idea and he started work on a board game a board game based on the Oregon Trail, and he's working on the pieces and the rules and all of that, and his 
his two roommates were watching him work on the board game and they knew some rudimentary, they had some very rudimentary coding skills, his two roommates. And so Don Rawitsch, R-A-W-I-T-S-C-H. So his last name is basically a sneeze. Okay. So his, his so, his roommates are looking at him making a board game and he goes, you know, um, we, we could turn this into like a text-based video game. Like Zork. Just like Zork. You are standing in an open field. You know, 1970s text-based video games. Yeah, so, I, that, that, and that's the problem. I, I hated text-based video games with a fucking passion. Me too. It was so difficult. I remember uh, uh, the only one that I was ever any good at was the text-based video game for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. I can never get the fucking babble fish in my ear. Mm, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I would always get stuck around the uh, the the ship, the 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 ship with the improbability drive. Yeah, gold. I would always get stuck around there. So, uh, uh, Don Rush and his two roommates uh, made a very primitive version of the Orange Trail in 1971, and and uh, Don shows it to his students, and back then, you would type in what you wanted to do, and the results would come out of a dot matrix printer. Okay. Yeah. And you would rip off the pages and read what happened to you next. Really? One for his students to... His students loved it, and Don said, great, deleting this, so we deleted it. Uh, then in night, I heard Don, the M-E-C-C stood for the Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium. The M-E-C-C was literally a state-owned video game company. Okay. It was a company owned by the state of Minnesota with its sole purpose being creating educational video games for kids. So, uh, the MECC hires Don Rush. And, uh, hey, Don, do you have any ideas? And he says, oh, I had one a long time ago. Maybe I can uh, try and find it. Turns out uh, he deleted it from all of his information, but apparently the roommate still had a rudimentary copy of it. And so Don brings his game to the company, and uh, Rawich is working on updating the Oregon Trail, and in 1975 they release again a text-based version of it. In 1975, it was just called Oregon. But here's the thing that makes the Oregon Trail a success, okay? So MECC is trying to release video games that kids like, 
and they're trying to partner with different people, and suddenly these young uh, upstart little tots come in and go, hey, how you doing? Uh, me and my friends, we have a computer business that we've just started. It's brand new, and maybe we could work with you guys in your big company, MECC. Wow, we're just a couple of guys in the garage, and this is our high-pitched voices, but wow, uh, I would really love for our computer company to team up with you guys. And the MECC says, oh, yeah, that'd be great, and, uh, you know, we can help you in your small little computer business sell computers. And the, the computer company says, yeah, and hey, maybe if we one day make it big, then we'll be sure to have your video games in all of our computers. And the MECC says, oh yeah, that would be cute. It's 1974, and we're a pretty big company. What was your company's name again? Apple. Oh, sure. <laughs> Maybe one day if you make it big, then we'll ride on your coattails. But don't worry, the MECC is going to be huge, and we won't need you. But we've officially entered into an agreement. So, the Oregon Trail proper, the actual game with the graphics and all of that, the game that everybody knows, was released in 1985, and uh, if it wasn't for Apple, we probably, none of us would probably know the Oregon Trail because in the 80s, suddenly all of these schools are like, huh, computers. These might be the thing of the future. We need to teach kids about computers and about typing and about how to work them. Huh, what computer should we get? And Apple's there selling them uh, Apple computers. And each and every single solitary Apple computer that was sold to a school and they're selling them all throughout America, each one of these computers has the Oregon Trail on it. Okay. It wasn't for MECC's deal with Apple. We probably wouldn't know what the Oregon Trail is. But uh, suddenly Apple is the biggest uh, computer company in America, and uh, the Oregon Trail was along for the ride. The Oregon Trail proper is released in 1985, and a number of uh, follow-ups, ancillary follow-ups, were released after that, including the Yukon Trail, the Amazon Trail, but nothing really seems to take off the way the Oregon Trail does. So the people at MECC are at a meeting and they're brainstorming and they're trying to come up with the next big Oregon Trail. And they're like, ah, oh, we need to come up with something. What about a journey to the lake? No, what about a journey here? Oh, come on, we need another big hit. Another knock out of the ballpark. That's the Oregon Trail. Oh, you know what? We've been stuffed in this room for a week. Maybe we should get out. Get, get out to uh, the city, maybe look around, maybe something will give us an idea of that spark. So they go and see a local activist named Kamau Kambui. He is a local activist and is having an event and the MECC attends. Mr. Kambui was staging a live reenactment of Underground Railroad as a way to show kids how hard it was to be a slave and how hard it was for them to escape and earn their freedom. And MECC says, I think we've got our next Oregon Trail. Now, put a pin on that. If you've seen Shaps uh, before, you should already have a large amount of pins ready.
Yes. So you always need to put pins in things. A little bit high, but I'm, I'm good. So this week on the Pope on Film, we have a running theme that connects Act 1 and Act 2 and Act 3, and that theme is The Road to Hell is Paved with Good Intentions. And on paper, the idea of teaching children about the Underground Railroad, that sure does sound like a good idea. Why, yes, it does. A good reason to make a video game a good idea. This is great. But in the same the in the same vein as Oregon Trail, and you know that you you're teaching a historical uh, journey, basically a very a very rough and fraught with danger. Oregon Trail, like dysentery brought up, you know. So I I think one about the Underground Railroad sounds like a great idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. But back in the real world, the 1992 NECC game Freedom Exclamation Point ended up being a racist trash fire. So, in the game, you are slated. Already, that is fraught with peril. Yes. Already, doing this to a class of kids in Huntsville, Alabama, Tupelo, Mississippi. How is this going to play in Poughkeepsie? Already, yeah. starting off, you are a, any video game with you are a slave. This is fraught and this is peril. And we put those together and it's fraught with peril. So... Uh, in the beginning, you get to choose your starting point. You either start as a slave in a plantation in Maryland, or Virginia, or Delaware. After that, you get a short biography on your character, and then you get to go meet the slave elders. And the slave elders basically work as, uh, you know, they're your... Hold on, you're breaking up a little. They give you supplies and food and health tips before you set your escape. Hmm? You're breaking up just a little bit. Your connection is unstable. I'm on a goddamn... My connection should be freaking fine. Okay. Okay. And it might be a part of it. But, uh, yeah, yeah hopefully, hopefully it should be okay now. Sounding better. Bunny? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, God. Bunny? I'm right here. Oh, God. It... <laughs> oh, he dropped out. Coming back. Coming back. There you oh, go. He's, he's right back. Okay. Okay, good, 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 good. All right. Because I'm really still in the chat. I'm really getting into it. Okay. So, we're playing the game Freedom Exclamation Point. So, you're starting your escape. First off, your character speaks broken English, and it's reading it, it's, it reads real racist. Okay. 
Uh, the, the dialogue sounds really atrocious, number one. Number two, we're talking about a very early Apple computer, limited graphics. With the limited graphics that they have available, your character looks like a wildly offensive stereotype. Okay.
that I bet every kid within a hundred miles was on a field trip. Oh, yeah. No, everybody wants to have a sport. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that in, like, Oregon and whatever, you know, on the trail, people learn a little bit about the Oregon Trail, but for most kids, there was no lesson to go to the Oregon Trail. And so a lot of teachers just said, hey, here's a new game. This will buy me some time. Play this new game, freedom! Exclamation point. Okay. Like teachers just put on a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So teachers would just make us play the Oregon Trail, and they did the same with freedom and exclamation point. Kids were confused. Some kids were upset. Some kids were scared. Some kids thought it was hilarious. And some kids went and told their parents who flipped the hell out and complained. And uh, they all banded together, and they said that uh, the NECC had, quote, Trivialized and Nintendoized slavery. And so a group of parents decided to sue the NECC. And as a result of that lawsuit in 1993, NECC not only pulled the game from sale, but instructed all schools who owned the game to destroy it. <laughs> Fun fact, a school in Tempe, Arizona uh, made a bit of uh, a small national news blur when in August of 1995, a mom sued the school district because they still had a copy of Freedom Exclamation Point and were letting kids play it. Oh, God. And so the parents sued when the parents learned that, like, wait, you mean to tell me that my kids are playing a slavery video game that the school was instructed to freaking destroy? Destroy. Yeah, so that's so Tempe, Arizona, in uh, 1995, and it was like a national news for a little bit. So anyway, that's the story of the Oregon Trail. And the I mean, movie. you gotta give it. That is some decisive action. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. amazing. I imagine that in August of 1995, somewhere in his mansion on his estate, that uh, George Lucas is all like, "Do you think I would work with the holiday special?" <laughs> <laughs> Huh, I bet I can do it. Who, who's gonna sue me? I've got a plan. Yeah. So, that's the story of the Oregon Trail and its wildly unsuccessful uh, follow-up, Freedom, big exclamation point. I find it hilarious. I don't think, a lot of people nowadays know the Oregon Trail. You can say you have kind of disappeared. And most people know what that is a reference to. But I, I, and I say this at the end of every This is true. Yes. I'm surprised that more people don't know about the uh, <laughs> the racist slavery follow-up to the Oregon Trail. What a weird story that is. So be sure to join us next week for another next week we are tackling cow tools. Cow tools. Next week. 
We're talking cow tools next week. So make sure you join us next week for cow tools. Another educationally uneducational installment of Seems Historic of Proclamations. And cut on that bunny. I said this before. I said it again. I want you to rub my knees. And then lick my belly button. I promise I don't have a knife in my butt. Yes. So, we have a movie to get to, but before we get to that movie, we should take a break. We should take a break. I didn't ask you, Eleanor. I asked Bunny, and you are not Bunny. Stop asking podcasting, alright? Bunny, you are not. We'll be right back with more of the Pop on Film after this. Where's my puppet? It's like a fucking teamster. Every time you turn around, he's off on a coffee break. We got a building to put up here. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Sing your song I will try not to sing out of key Oh baby On the afternoon of March 10th, 2016, an undetermined number of people, oftentimes fluctuating between 2 and 4.5 individuals, were recording a podcast on the internet. Three of them were never seen again. The next morning, the one survivor, Bunny Williams, was picked up on a roadside, blood-caked and screaming church organist. Bunny said he had the number one podcast in hell. The man babbled a mad tale, a vaguely Mexican family in the isolated state of Oklahoma, a film podcast that's only indirectly about films, a filthy podcast that somehow prominently featured young children, then Bunny fell into catatonia. Colorado lawmen mounted a five-minute manhunt but could not locate the macabre podcast. No facts, no information, no iTunes account. Officially, on the records, the Pope on film never existed. But over the years, reports of a bizarre grisly podcast have persisted all across the internet. 
The Pope on Film has not stopped. It haunts your Facebook feed. It frightens Twitter. It vaguely jump scares Stitcher. The Pope on Film seems to have no end. I like these posts in the rants and raves section of the Oklahoma City Craigslist page because it, I, I guess it's just justifying my beliefs. People are horrible. The headline is USA and Mexico. Uh, all right. Keep a positive attitude towards this. I was visiting with a blood relative who was married to a Mexican. And the relative brought up Trump at the wall. The relative was irritated that Trump thinks Mexico will pay for the wall. Being a nice relative, I just listened and was told Mexico hates Trump. I feel as if I have stumbled onto something. Go Trump, go, baby, build that beautiful wall. So happy to be a brown-skinned individual in the Bible Belt. Gee, I feel so uh, welcomed and invited. Just feel so warm. People are treating me so nice here. Like, man, they make sure put their sights on me first. Like I have red dots all around me from their sniper rifles. Yay! I'm gonna get me a pickup truck and a dog and a shotgun. I'll start saying y'all. Are you a soulless monster stitched together with the bodies of the dead? Were you brought to life by a, a hideous experiment that was meant to usurp God's authority? Are you damned to roam the earth a soulless monster without a soul? Well then, simply try Chia Soul. Chia Soul. Simply spread the seeds, water them, and in a few weeks you'll have your very own soul. Chia Soul. Maker of Chia Pubes. We will be right back with more. I think. I mean, we. I mean, we will, right? I mean, we are going to be back. Are we? Gonna, are we going to be back? This isn't like. Have we been canceled? Is this it? Is this the end? Are we all going to die? No. You know what? You know what? Eh, 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 we'll be back. We'll be back. Just, just trust me. We'll be. We'll. We'll be fine. We'll be back. because they used to treat them very, very rough. And when they protested once, you know, they would not do it again so easily. Are you from Mexico? Are you from Mexico?
Say the secret void and you get to come back next week. Crimes have been committed by a lone assailant. There is a high probability that that assailant is a woman. Stay away from the Bible. What are you out of your fucking mind? Don't. Oh, well, I can smell cops a mile away. Now, who was that guy? I told him to stay away from me. Damn it, go for it. So? Oh. Cops out all over the place. You tell everyone to stop them no matter what it takes. Just get out of here and leave us alone. seen before. Love this movie so much. Oh, and hey, the punches that don't land. Okay. And then there's this, this piece that you can hold to the end. Yes. Starting to 
come in. What'd you say? Your halo is starting to come in. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm a beautiful. I'm a beautiful. I'm a beautiful. Is this because you're my door? Yes, because you're my door. It's great. I love it. Act three is where Reverend Steve becomes his most angelic. Radiant. Radiant. Yes. Resplendent. Beautification. Yeah. Yes, buddy, my friend, it is time once again for this so-called built film podcast to casually stroll its way into the third and final act of the show. And for the uninitiated out there, the third act is wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our low-cost, high-end fiber, and part of a balanced breakfast. Now, hold on there. They're not saying part of a healthy breakfast. They're saying of a balanced breakfast. Yes. So basically, this is like a balancing act where it's like, yeah, our cereal isn't unhealthy, but hey, if you eat two salads, yeah, uh-huh. then there you go. Breakfast balance. I, I love part of a balanced breakfast. Yes. Balanced. As all things in the universe should be. Like Thanos. <laughs> In the cereal, but if it's not a healthy so, so, so breakfast is basically a gray Jedi. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But uh, if it's not a healthy breakfast, but a balanced breakfast, anything can be in a balanced breakfast. Yes. Steak covered in chocolate sauce and cocaine. Part of a balanced breakfast as long as afterwards you eat a hundred apples. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Balanced breakfast. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Movie of the week. And this week we discuss how the road to hell is paved with good intentions. With a look at the, and I've never had to say the date in quotes before, 2005, king of all bad movies, Dangerous Men by John S. Rad. Buddy, so I have a question for you. Right off the bat, okay? Yes. So you get all of the worst movies out there, and you get them all together. The Room, Manos, Cats, Troll 2, uh, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, uh, Battlefield Earth, Oogie Loves, Birdemic, etc. You get all of those together and you put them in order. Where does this week's movie fit in to that list? How bad is this movie? Is it's, it's got to be the bottom, and I think I actually have to start ranking them. Yeah. <clears throat> I really think this beats the Amazing Spider-Man. That's a, that was a tough act to beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. All right, I love this week's film so, so much. much. <laughs> and, and I 
I said this earlier on the podcast, but I personally believe that this week's movie is one of the worst movies of all time. And the thing, the one single thing that is holding this film back from being recognized as one of the worst movies of all time and from being a midnight movie that a bunch of people can get together and enjoy and having to take off like the rumor troll too is all of that damn rapes. what the fucking plot of the movie was that everybody who oh, saw yeah. this girl for some reason wanted to rape her. Yeah. The entire goddamn movie is <laughs> the film should have been titled Mondo Rape. Yeah. Jesus. Like, and, then she's, and then she's all like, well, I don't want to be raped, so let me kill these people. Which is yeah. fine, but it's like... A community theater production of Last House on the Left. Yeah. Or the Elaine Warno story. Or if you don't like that one, I've got a couple others. Um, Tommy Wiseau's I Spit on Your Grave. Okay, I got one more. Ed Wood's Straw Dogs. Yes. Yes. There were more rapes in this movie than Frozen had musical numbers. <laughs> oh, let it go. <laughs> Raping is better than people. I was, I was trying to do like a like a Frozen 2 parody, but I can't think of anything. Uh, and they they used similar looking people that shit just got really fucking confusing in the movie. I read somewhere, and I don't remember where I read it, and I don't remember if there was anything backing this up. But what I read was. John S. Rad is filming the movie in the 80s and he's filming it and he's filming it and like he gets 60% done with the film when the female star just finally says I've had enough, this is absolute shit I'm leaving and so he takes off and refuses to come back so at the last second he has to find a way to make 40% of the rest of the movie without her which is why it's like oh it's this woman and this man and they're in love and hold on honey I need to call my brother hello brother who is a policeman are you having fun on your vacation from policing policeman brother well, we'll see you 60% into the film when you take over for no reason. Bye! Click. So I this, I read that somewhere. I don't know if that's true or not because it's kind of like Manos. There's a lot of hearsay and speculation involved yeah. in this film. The, the way I got it, okay, is there's this guy and he's in love with this girl and she is killed in a convenience store robbery and then he gets another girl and is walking along the beach with her then he gets killed and she 
like I really dug, girl, like tries to get revenge okay, by dating so the killer. Okay, so there's the guy. Then later on, he's fucking alive again, and he's a cop. Okay, so so no, those are two different guys. So there's the guy and the girl, and there. And so's the biker guy she stabs to death. Yeah. So there's a guy and a girl, and they're in love with each other. The guy has a brother, and the brother is a cop, and that's the bro. That's that cop brother is the one who stops the convenience store robbery, where another girl who is not the first girl is shot and killed. Okay. He's the brother's cop, and that was added in so that it makes a bit more sense. Sixty percent into the movie, when the woman quits. And now, okay, this is a movie about the cop. This is a movie about the cop from the beginning now. But those are two different guys. So the brother is killed, and then the other brother, the, the man is killed, and then the man's brother, who's a cop, is like hunting down uh, the black pepper. Yes. Like a white guy who, who looks like uh, the, the bad guy at the end of the film. Looks like, oh, uh, Jake Busey fixed his teeth. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Like, I kept thinking I recognized him just because he had a Buseyan vibe. He had a very Buseyan vibe, he did. Yeah. But uh, some random bikers see them on the beach, kill the husband... And then, like, one of the bikers gets killed, and the other biker's, like, walking away. But then the girl's just like, oh, but wait, I'm finally free from my boyfriend, and now I can be with you. This is all just, like, a trick to kill him. And then after that, she's just like, hey, that was fun to kill someone. I guess I'm just killing people now. Or maybe she's just like, okay, I killed that guy because he was rapey. I won't kill again unless someone else tries to rape me, and then everyone tries to rape her. Yeah, but the but the thing is, is like, is like, just kill him at the fucking beach. Why are you making this guy take you out to dinner first? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell you, but also, is there a sizzlers nearby? <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That is some smart thinking. Then get a room. Then get a room. Then take your fucking clothes off. Then have some weirdly specific activities you want him to do to you. First, I want you to rub my knees. I want you to rub my knees. What's that? I'm and then I want you to lick my belly button. I promise I don't have a knife in my butt. Surprise, I do. You just got stabbed with my rapey butt knife. <laughs> that's my, uh, my G.G. Allen cover band right there. Rapey butt knife. That's my, that's my band name. Originally, we were called Eagle Eye Cherry, but then someone took that name. So now we're rapey butt knife. That was just the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And then there are so many scenes that pop up that have absolutely no basis whatsoever on the rest of the movie. Like, uh, like, uh, the cartoon home movies. 
Yeah. Which was a precursor to burgers. Everybody loves Bob's Burgers. But all of the people on Bob's Burgers met doing uh, home movies for Adult Swim. And Brendan Small is like a little eight-year-old boy who also wants to be a movie maker. And he's making a movie. And it's like, oh, maybe we need to cut some scenes. And his friend Jason is like, well, we could cut the scene where you're taking an eight-hour nap. Yeah. And then Brendan goes, what if we cut up, if we cut that scene out, then no one will understand the scene where I wake up. <laughs> that that's basically how this movie works. So like the tense, so like there's the tense picking up a debit card scene. Yes. Oh, we need to see her pick up a debit card from like her father. Tense drama. Yes. Come to expect. Oh, and, and don't forget, I was on the edge of my seat for the riveting rental car scene. Yes. Gonna go get a rental car. We need to see the whole thing. One of my favorite parts, of course, a lot of people online say that their favorite part is the nonsensical uh, belly dancer scene. But my favorite, beyond a doubt, is the naked British man who yes. just gets five minutes to wander the desert naked, being angry at his penis. Yes. That's one of my favorite scenes. There's also a scene where uh, there's a black cop that we've seen once or twice, and he gets a phone call from his girlfriend, and his girlfriend wants love, and we see a naked sex scene for like eight seconds. Yes. And then we never see the cop again. <laughs> why did you just show us a second sex scene and then how did the guy disappear and very, very, if you think about that though very Glenn or Glenda yes very Glenn or Glenda blind uh, black pepper is running from the cops and ending in a house where a blind woman just happens to have a World War II Luger under her blanket. Yeah. Just a blind woman with a gun, just waiting for someone to come into the house. And it's like, oh, every day, I hope for the day that some person breaks into my house so I can shoot them. Because she can't shoot anybody because she's blind. But if yeah. someone breaks into her house, this is her one and only chance to use her gun. And she's blind. She's blind. Isn't yes. That like, who's there? Who's there? Huh? She's blind <laughs> woman with a gun. Blind woman with a gun. I love this movie so much. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I fully believe that this could be considered one of the worst movies ever. And I said this to the podcast. I have never turned on a movie. And within 10 seconds, the film score had me rolling on the floor. Yes. That was fascinating. That blew me away. So, okay. So, as you can see from the credits, the film was written and produced and directed and edited and music composed and set decorated and etc. by one man whose name is listed as John S. Rabb. Yes. He made the movie. 
and then paid for a week-long run of the film in five L.A. movie theaters in 2005 when he finally finished it. The one-week run earned roughly $2,238, but when you consider how much renting the theaters cost in its first and only week in its first release, the film earned roughly $70. Okay. But uh, apparently the the week-long run was so bad that uh, a movie theater on Sunset Strip, I think, uh, picked it up as a midnight film. And so journalist Paul Cullum saw the movie during the week-long run, and then when the movie was released again as a midnight movie, he tracked down and interviewed John S. Rad for an article that came out in L.A. Weekly entitled The Passion of the Rad. Okay. And this one article, this one interview, and then some other interview with some uh, online website, but this is all the information we have on John S. Rad. And so it's difficult to fully put your finger on who John S. Rad is because he's finally being interviewed about himself and about the movie he made. So basically, what he says about himself and his successes, we can believe about as much as William Shatner or Stan Lee. Yes. You know? Or, or when Trump used to pretend to be his own publicist. Yes. So, uh, so there was an article, The Passion of the Rad. Um, the creator of Dangerous Men is an Iranian man by the name of Jahangir Salehi Yeganakrad. I will not be saying that again. I will just be calling him Jonas Rad. Okay. This probably not pronounced because Lord knows I just totally demolished that name. He was raised in Tehran, and his family had a bunch of money, because apparently his dad was a successful physician for the army, in the Iranian army. Uh, at first, John S. Rad was apparently a successful architect. Yeah. And making a bunch of money as an architect, but then he said, no, my passion is filmmaking. And it reminds me of uh, when we first started the podcast and I was obsessed with uh, lawyer turned rapper Adam Warrock. Yes. Loved that man. We, we, we occasionally have talked on Twitter. And uh, he doesn't make music anymore, but there are songs of his that are just hit songs here in the house. So apparently, in the same way that Adam Warrock was a successful lawyer but left it to rap about yes. comic books and TV shows, uh, John S. Rad, yes, Bella? There's a severed head. There's a severed bird head outside. Can you come over here? Facebook Marketplace is amazing. <laughs> Can you say that again? There's a severed bird head outside the backyard. Okay. Bella finding a severed bird head is the happiest I've seen her in a very long time. <laughs> that says something. Yes. Can you find a severed bird head? I don't know, probably in high school. You can see its skull, but also its eyeball. Oh, this is a rite of passage. <laughs> 
Much, much like I was in high school and found a severed bird head. Now it's your turn to be in high school and find a severed bird head. If, if you put it on a shish kebab skewer, you can have a little puppet show. What a, what a funny word, skewer. 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 So, okay, so Jonas Rad uh, became a filmmaker and apparently released 11 films in Farsi. Uh, but then in 1979, the revolution happened, and the Shah was deposed, and the Ayatollah Khomeini came into power and started asking people up. So John S. Rad fled Iran, but without his wealth, without his money, and he moved to L.A., and he allegedly released some other English language movies, but there's no record of them at all. Yeah. Uh, but... John S. Rad still wanted to be a filmmaker, so in 1984, he filmed Dangerous Men. Uh, after filming started in 1984, it went on through 1984 1985, uh, it then took him over 20 years to complete the film. So this film was uh, filmed in 84 and 85 and released in 2005 to no fanfare. But I understand why he would take 20 years to complete the film, because you need to get the naked British guy just right. Yes, you do. You know, just <clears throat> beauty. So the movie played in a few theaters, then it started running in Sunset Strip as a midnight film, and then, um, and so John S. Rad, unlike uh, Ed Wood, John S. Rad was one of those people who made a horrible movie and then lived to see it be a horrible movie that people laughed at. Yeah. And so he would say like, hey, uh, people said that me making that this movie is impossible, but impossible is impossible. I made the film, and whether people love it or laugh at it, I'm getting a reaction, which is just the sort of thing that someone who makes a horrible movie says. Yes. It's like the end of And God Spoke, basically. So, uh, but then, uh, two years after uh, the film was released, uh, John S. Rad died. And then the movie sort of disappeared, but in 2015, the film was dusted off and released in theaters by, Am by uh, uh, Alamo Draft House. And that tracks, because more people should see this film. And like I said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions is the theme of the episode. And the thing that makes this such a good movie is that it's house sharks. That's a movie. It was made for about $5,000. It's on Amazon. It's about a house that's infested with walking, uh, oxygen-breathing sharks. That movie isn't trying to be the best movie in the world. A lot of movies nowadays, what with streaming and straight-to-DVD, a lot of movies are being released. Thanks, Sharknado, that are specifically designed to be shit. Yes. You know, a lot of people are making movies. Oh, uh, you know, Invasion of the Coronavirus Lesbian Vampires 2. 
They, a lot of people are trying to make bad movies, but the ones that really hit The Room, Troll 2, Dangerous Men, are films where the director is 110% convinced that what they're making is 10 Citizen Kane's. <laughs> okay. And there's a goddamn heart to this horrible fucking movie with like a million rapes. It's just rapes of planet. This is just the rape show starring rape. Yes. Like, uh, uh, hi, I'd like a number four. Uh, can I get that, that super size with a Shasta? Yeah, sure, that'll be 1084. Also, I'm going to rape you. Because every man in this movie is just rape. Yes. But there's a heart. The film has a heart. Yeah, I could, I, could, I could pass on. I could pass on this heart for for the rest of my life. <laughs> love this movie. I'm gonna try and work the the themes, which I've dubbed love theme from Dangerous Men. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna tr- work it into some of my story times now. That's my new thing. <laughs> to work the from Dangerous Men. Do you have the dead bird head right there in front of me? That's what that's what you you're playing with the dead bird head in front of me. Yeah, that's a really good position while I'm eating. Bella, you have you have a darkness inside of you. Don't follow that darkness. Let me tell you what happens. You end up as a lumberjack in Canada is what happens. That's right. And people will be pissed. We don't really have cookies. That's a lie. That's the exact lie the dark side would tell you. Oh. I told Natasha, I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't have a WandaVision. Do you want me to tell WandaVision is? Wanda Maximoff is a lumberjack in Canada. <laughs> yes. That was 100% right. She, she's a lumberjack in Canada, and she wakes up in bed next to Suzanne Clichet. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. And then, and then they all end up at Cheers. <laughs> How weird that Ted Danson got a second chance. Of all the people, he got a second chance. Never thought Ted Danson would be one of those people. What do you mean a second chance? I mean, he, he was the star for... He was a star for four seasons on A Good Place, and now he's the star of his own show called Mr. Mayor on NBC, which I believe was picked up for the second season. Like, like he's out there. But he's always been out there. You just kind of lose track of him from time to time. But he also had that show Beckett for a long time. And he had another yes. fucking show that I can't think of. Like, this bitch has worked consistently. Yeah. Becker? Was it Becker? I think Beckett? it was Beckett, I think. Beckett was on for a lot longer than I think people realize. With Shawnee Sawgirl. Yeah, I would watch. I would watch Becker only because Becker's friend was uh, the the woman I liked from Deep Space Nine. Or or yes. Voyager. Deep Space Nine. She was original. She was Jazia Dax on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked her. I had a big crush on her from Deep Space Nine, so I would watch Becker just so I could just so I could see her again. Yeah. 
So, uh, so that's all I've got for this week's movie. People need to find this. I put, I, what I've been trying to do lately is if, if what we're doing is like a really bad movie and I can legally get away with it, I'll like put, I'll get like a one scene and I'll put it on Twitter and I'll say, hey, we're doing this movie this week and uh, it's a crazy one and here you go. But this week, like I couldn't find just one, so I ended up putting three different scenes on Twitter. Yeah. This morning, and I was like, I gotta put, I gotta put the the robbery scene. Okay, you fucking bitch, you asked for it, man. And she goes, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So I had to put that one in, and then like, oh, but wait, I have to put the scene where she pretends to be a cat. Like, what the fuck type of manic pixie dream girl fucking crazy ass Bjork nonsense is that? Where she just crawling around the floor? <laughs> like, it's okay, so I'll put two clips and then there you go. But then I had to put in the tense final battle between the cop brother and Black Pepper. Ah. Well, do you think we can get away with running the movie? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But I know that the music is 100% not copyrighted. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't know. I don't know. It's Alamo Draft House, I think. No! No, it's just Draft House. They made I, it I will up. always call it Alamo Draft House. I will always call it Alamo Draft House, just period. But it has nothing to do with Alamo it's not, Draft House. It's, it's, it's just fucking fried chicken. It's fried. It's Kleenex. Don't bother me with this KFC nonsense. That pissed me off. It's Stranger Things in season two. Steve and Nancy go and have a dinner at Barb's parents' house. And it is something wrong, Steve? Oh, no, I loved KFC. Fuck you! It was Kentucky Fried Chicken back then! No one would have called it a KFC, Steve, you fuckface! Just like, just like the kids getting to the end of Dragon's Lair! That game was impossible! Yeah. No way you got to the end of Dragon's Lair! And also that game cost like $10 in quarters. There's no way. No way. No way, not at all. And it was... Stupid! It was just a shit game. It was great to watch. I enjoyed watching oh, yeah. other people play that game. But it's like, really, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the scene to finish so I can move the joystick one of four directions. That's it. Yeah. You know what? Next week, I'm gonna try and. And get that cat filter that the lawyer had. The cat go about getting the cat filter that the lawyer had. I don't know. The cat, the cat filter. I, I. Okay, I think I figured it out. Okay, uh, mouse, bunny rabbit, pig, deer, bear, lioness, unicorn. I'm really close. Where's the cat? <gasps> There's a Midsummer one? Uh-oh. Oh, well, hold on. I need to try something here. 
Oh, okay. Well, there you go. This is my filter. Yes. This was 100% worth it. So happy. Look at your face. Oh, my gosh. You're just beaming. Hold on a second. This isn't just... Hold on. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to... In seconds. Uh-oh. I've got two. Yeah. I've got a flower crown over a flower crown. Ooh, yes. look at that. I can F with it. It's <laughs> mid-solar section. This was fun. This was fun. For me, probably not for any viewers or listeners, but it was fun for me. <laughs> no, this so is that's fun. what counts. Yeah, that's what counts. That's all I've got for this week. Uh, you really got to watch this film. This is, this is a... Seem to be believed film, and uh, it's a lot of fun. But uh, trigger warning: rapes a planet, rape a loser over here. The rapist fair. It's rapes a planet, rapes a poppin'. Yes. Crazy. Next week, we continue our strange, bizarre trip to uh, different corners of the world of cinema. When you say Adam Costello, you think of a handful of films. Yes. When I think of Adam Costello, I think of the Who's on First Routine, and then I think of Adam Costello and Frankenstein, and that's it. Yeah. I found the film they did. It's from 1948, and I'm sure that it won't be offensive at all. The film is called Mexican Hayride. Okay. I am 100% certain that it, nothing at all will be offensive in this film, Abbott and Costello go to Mexico. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. Uh, uh, we, we, can, we can trust them. Yeah, they're Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Nothing at all offensive is going to be in this film. I've never seen this and wholesome. I've never seen this movie before. I, I, I didn't even know it existed, but I found a copy of it. It's already on our show. Next week, we're doing Adam Costello in Mexican Hayride! Uh, we, we were going to do a Kenny Rogers movie, but I decided that that would be too painful after Dangerous Men. Uh. We sat this might be a racist film, but at least Adam Costello are funny. Okay. So, so that's what we're doing next week. And also, be sure to tune in next week for the excitement that is Cow Tools. Cow Tools. Cow Tools. But that's next week. Now I'm looking back at this week. Oh, man. John S. Rad. Slavery exclamation point. Dr. Seuss. Uh, the Black History Month Challenge. I gotta say, I think this has been a uh, pretty good, somewhat good, slightly favorable episode of this podcast. It's been a damn good episode. What? A solid damn good. 
Okay, I, I feel the same way. I just didn't want to step on your toes because I know you're the person who makes those distinctions. You're the judge Julie of the show, and I didn't want to step on your toes. But yes, I concur with your assessment, a good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Stephen on behalf of Natasha and Bella and Eleanor and Maxwell and everybody else in the house. I just want to say uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens! Don't no forget about the dead bird. We're going to make you of this podcast, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, everybody, everybody got their uh, made up. Oh, 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 o